0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Brian Sams Podcast. This is Brian Sams, your host, and today we have a special treat. We're going to begin some talk on the subject of missions and deputation. Today, I've got several guests lined up for the next several episodes as we discuss missions, the independent Baptist movement, and the challenge of deputation in the 21st century. And boy... Do we ever have some conversations lined up for you? Today, our first conversation is going to be with missionary Keith Brock. He has been a missionary for 25 years in the country of Ecuador. A wonderful man with a wonderful family. And I've recently been able to sit down with him and hear his story and learn a little bit about his ministry. And I wanted to introduce him to our audience on the Brian Sam's podcast as well get a little perspective from him, a man who's been on the field for 25 years and now is facing new challenges with deputation. I think this conversation needs to be had. I think there's a lot of confusion out here in the world uh, about deputation, about missions, about raising money. And so I'm actually going to take you to that conversation now. Enjoy this conversation with missionary Keith Brock.
1: Hey there, this is Aaron Chan, and Pastor Brian is actually on vacation this week, and so uh, I've got Brother Keith Brock here with me, and I'll be asking uh, Brother Brock some questions about missions, and uh, Brother Keith, good to have you on the air today.
2: Thanks, great to be here this afternoon.
1: Good. Um, We've got uh, just a lot of stuff to get into today. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about how long you've been on the field, uh, where you are, uh, a, little about, a little bit about yourself, and, and maybe about the country you're serving.
2: All right. Great. Thanks. Uh, my wife and I were married in 1994. We went on deputation in 95 and went to serve in the country of Venezuela. Uh, we've been involved in uh, church planning among Spanish-speaking people since 1995. We started out in the jungle. Uh, we were in the ju- jungle ministry for several years. My wife had hepatitis, and so we had to make some changes in in how we ministered. And since then, we've been in in pretty much strictly church planting ministries uh, among Hispanic people. Uh, Currently, we're in Ecuador, South America, in a suburb of Quito, which is the capital. And uh, we're in an upper-middle-class church plant in the community of Cumbayá.
1: Did you say "kumbaya"?
2: Kumbaya, like the old song, but with a
1: C. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, we were just talking uh, a few minutes before we got on air here, and you were saying that it actually has a high of seventy-five degrees in the in the summer, and maybe a low of forty-five in the winter. And I just thought that's amazing. But but the the trade-off is, of course, that you're on the equator. And you're eight thousand feet in the uh, in elevation, right? So you you do get tired really easily, I guess, if you're not used to it.
2: Yeah, the 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 altitude or the altitude. Makes the weather great, uh, never too hot, never too cold. Uh, but yeah, at 8,000 feet, it affects your endurance. Yeah. And uh, the heart's
1: beating fast, especially when you first go up to that altitude. Absolutely. Um, well, we're focused on uh, missions. I know a lot of guys are listening to the podcast, and perhaps some of them are, are on deputation right now, and some of them are, are thinking about going into uh, foreign missions. Maybe they're still in Bible college, or maybe there's a lot of pastors listening that that think, then uh, they have questions about how they can better serve their missionaries. Um, I've got a few questions here. Number one would be, I guess what was the biggest challenge for you on deputation uh, back when you were getting started? Uh, what do you think was the biggest hurdle to get over? Did it take a long time, or maybe the, just the the road was uh was tiring?
2: In the nineties, well ninety five when we did it the 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 biggest hurdle was actually being able to get through to a pastor to have the conversation, hey, Pastor, I'm Keith Brock with BIMI. We're on deputation going to such and such. And um, and so, you know, I think I sent out a 1,000 letters, um, was able to make however many phone calls, eventually talked to 200 pastors, and scheduled 75 meetings out of that or whatever. Um, as far as the traveling part, um, the hurdle at, at that time was uh, when to go full-time. Um, so you graduate from college, get married, you have zero income, and the quickest way to raise support is to go
1: full-time. Pastors used to ask that. I don't know if they ask that now, but but that was up. Uh, I can't imagine just being 21, 22 years old. Probably you had, you, Did you get married right out of Bible college as well?
2: I did, I did, but I had been in the military four okay. years. My wife was, was 21. Um, I was 26 and uh, had been in the military, but yeah, right out of Bible college, we went on deputation.
1: That is a scary thing. I can't imagine. I remember what I was like when I was uh, 20, 21, 22, and I can't imagine hitting the road immediately with zero income, no no promise of support anywhere. And and this was back when uh, cell phones were just beginning to be a thing, right? So you, you couldn't really email as much. You couldn't really... Um, I'm sorry, you said 95, Is Yeah, that when you started? Yeah, we yeah. didn't
2: have cell ph- I mean, I know there were cell phones. We couldn't afford it at that point. Email addresses, I think I got my first email address in 97, 98. So yeah, we were still carrying quarters around to make yeah. phone calls uh, to try to figure out where the churches were at.
1: How, how long did it take you to go from when the time you started deputation to the time you were, you were fully ready to go to the field? How long was that?
2: Yeah, we were on deputation from July 95, which we finished candidate school. So really our first meetings were August, September for 18 months.
1: 18 months. Okay. Wow. Uh, I think, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the average is nowadays, but um, we have two missionaries that have been uh, sent out of our church that have been on deputation for, I think, almost three years now. And uh, I think that, that it's important for pastors to realize just how much things have changed the The culture that we're living in now. They face the same issue. They, they'll send out 1,000 emails, and out of those 1,000 emails, they'll maybe get 100 responses, uh, even to tell them no, right? And um, th- this is just a uh, an interesting time that we live in. I'd say this. What is the... Uh, what is the best way for a pastor to help you that's maybe unable to support you? Maybe you send out an email or a phone call and they returned it. They say, "Hey, we can't we can't support you right now, but you're welcome to come by our church and present a little bit and we can we can do a little bit of something for you." What as a missionary from your point of view on the road, you have a pastor that you know you're not going to get regular monthly support from. What's the biggest way that they can help?
2: Obviously, and I don't, you know, um we desire prayer. Uh, you know, prayer for the work, prayer for the ministry, prayer for safety. Also, you know, you meet a lot of good people on deputation, pastors, but church members as well who who are there to encourage you. They may give you their number. Hey, call us if you're ever in town and, and, and we would be happy to put you up. Uh, those are always a help. Um, there's a church up in Sanford, North Carolina that has Uh, It was the parsonage. The pastor passed away. The new pastor has his own house. So they've turned the parsonage into a prophet's chamber. And uh, that's really been a help to us um, to be able to use that. So um, uh, that. And then one of the ways to schedule meetings is through referrals. And I know it sounds like we're selling a product. And unfortunately, sometimes you have to think that way. But, you know, if a pastor can't support someone, it would be good to say, hey, I've got a couple of buddies that I would be happy to refer you to.
1: Yeah, establishing a network, I, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Y- you were telling me a few minutes ago um, that back in the nineties and early, maybe early two thousands, uh, there were there were certain uh, camps, I guess you could say. Uh, I, I believe you went to Trinity, right? And you're out of BIMI, and uh, sometimes. In independent Baptist missions, it's more about who you know rather than what you know, right? Maybe give some perspective on maybe the, the way things have changed from the late 90s to maybe now. Have those camps and Bible colleges changed a whole lot? for the better or for the worse, what can we do as independent Baptists that could better network missionaries together, I guess you could say, besides just referring right. to other people? Well, yeah.
2: you know, it's um, as missionaries in a hundred churches, you're going to have a hundred different opinions on certain ideas. And as independents, we know doctrinal, our doctrinal positions are probably 99.9% the same. But there are opinions and traditions and areas that certain churches take uh, much more—they uh, put much more weight on it. And, and it may be an opinion or a tradition, but as missionaries, sometimes we feel like we're kind of having to walk on glass, yeah. so to speak. And uh, and so in the world we're living in today, the, the three or four big camps that you had in the 90s, there's—I don't know, there may be 20 or 50 of those camps today— <laughs> And, uh, and so that makes it, that makes it a little more difficult. That's why I sat down with Pastor Sam's last week, and I've got several pastors just I want to talk to and get their, you know, their feeling on, hey, this is what we're looking for. This is what we're thinking. This is what I'm seeing in in churches. Uh, In a real quick note, uh, a, a change is a lot of churches don't have Sunday night services anymore with, for good reasons. It's not like some say, well, they're just quitting and not having Sunday nights. They may be doing small groups. They may use Sunday nights to encourage their people to invite families over to have a dinner, a meal, and share the gospel with them. But most of my support, if it wasn't a missions conference, came from Sunday night meetings. So uh, I do see a shift in that, too. Not
1: as many churches have uh, conferences, or Sunday night services. That is a significant change. Let's say you're you're maybe mentoring a missionary just starting out, right? And his sending church is of such and such affiliation, and he's trying to get meetings. And as a as a young missionary and deputation, you know every meeting that you can possibly get is is a potential support, right? But if there is a church that is not initially of the same stripe as you that reaches out and says, "Hey, we'd like to have you in for a meeting." And this young missionary knows, well, my sending church or maybe some of my other supporting churches are not going to like this church. What do you suggest they do in that situation? Um, have you been in that situation before, maybe?
2: Yeah, you know, um, our current situation now, it's not nearly as as, uh, as critical as it was 25 yeah. years ago. But when we, years ago, when we first started out, I had an uncle that went to a, a old country United Methodist church and uh, this church used to have camp meetings and everything back in the day, but it followed the route of all United Methodist churches. But my uncle knew what we were doing. He was friends with a the pastor. They invited us in. I preached that morning. Everyone seemed to enjoy the message and our presentation. Uh, we got a very generous uh, love offering, and uh, that church supported us. And um, I don't, as far as I know, there was never any any uh, issue with with our mission board or our sending church because of that? So
1: that's a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um. There, we've heard at least a couple stories come through that have just been like, yeah, I can't go to this church because my, some of my other supporting churches won't like this, or they'll start asking questions, and that's just a sad reality. Sometimes I think if if Pastor were here, he'd probably comment a little bit more about that. Perhaps he will in a future episode. But certainly, that's that is sad uh, that the state of the independent fundamental Baptist movement right now is that it's tremendously fractured. It a lot of times depends on if uh, my decision to support this missionary is whether or not they're supported by such and such other group that I don't agree with. And that's not what we're about here. At River City, we're all about, hey, let's get the gospel moving. Let's get it to as uh, far reaches to the earth as we can. We are we care about the gospel. We care about the message that you're bringing to these countries. And whatever we can do to be a help, we we want to be. Are there any other tips that you could think of that maybe a young missionary would be on the road right now or maybe uh, some other advice that you can give them. Maybe they're a little bit discouraged right now, you know. They're in the middle of deputation. They're they're staring at the number 42%, you know, and they're like, "Man, I cannot seem to get over that 50 and get over the hill." What would you give as advice maybe to encourage them and help them?
2: I would say and and I'm currently in a learning curve trying to figure out the The situation today, um, because we're having to raise a pretty good amount of our support again because of lost support uh, over the last several years. But I would say have uh, work hard to maintain a good network of pastoral friends uh, and people. I've found myself in a lot of situations where I've been discouraged, I've been down, and I've not reached out to people who really would would be more than happy to talk to me, to pray with me, to encourage me, and I think that would be one of the biggest things. Sometimes on the mission field, you feel like you're all alone, and maybe physically you are because you're separate, separated because of the countries, the distance. But uh, I thank the Lord for the technology we have today. It's easy to make a call, to do a FaceTime or WhatsApp or Zoom. There's dozens of ways to communicate. And I would say that is something that I resolved recently to do much better at is, is calling pastors and asking for prayer, developing a network of friends. And I think that might not raise any more support, but it would definitely keep your heart encouraged.
1: It'll keep the morale up. Yeah, yeah. definitely. We see a lot of groups on Facebook nowadays that are for several different interests and things like that. Are you part of any groups on Facebook that help? Maybe they're just missionary groups that like, hey, you know, praise the Lord, I got such and such, and I got my wheel fixed on the road by some church. They paid for everything, and, and they can just share blessings with each other or encourage each other. Or maybe share certain churches that, that have helped them along the way that would that would maybe merit another phone call from another missionary? Are there any groups like that online, maybe on social media or anything? I
2: suppose there are. I'm not members of any. Okay. So yeah, that's probably something I work to look into. Uh,
1: yeah. I I don't know. if they, I'm not a missionary either, but <laughs> uh, well, I, I am a missionary. You know, I guess everybody's a missionary. But as far as going to a foreign field, uh, that would be something I guess a lot of people would find helpful. I saw this posted on, I came. I think it was Facebook or something. But there was a a pastor or or somebody saying they were trying to figure out how can they shorten their deputation time. How can we make this system of Independent Baptist means of support shorter? And I think one pastor responded and he commented. Well, I think deputation ought to prepare you for the hardships of ministry that you'll face in foreign countries. And my immediate response was, How callous is that? You know, this guy is going to take his entire family. He's going to go to a different country, thousands of miles away. And the best comment that you have for him is like, Oh, well, that, that builds character, essentially, right, on the road. I, I guess number one would be, What should our proper response be as independent Baptists to help encourage missionaries? And number two, What are some ideas that if we're going to stick to this form of deputation, getting meetings and getting support, if that is the method that you're going to stay with, how can we make it better?
2: Well, I suppose deputation may weed out some people who aren't serious about going to the field. I don't know that it prepared me for the field other than the fellowship with other churches and missionaries in conferences and different things. That definitely encouraged us, and you did build a network. I don't know that the The process of being on deputation for 36 or 48 months uh, is going to make anyone a better missionary. That's my opinion. Um, As far as speeding it up, I know there is a trend to raise support uh, from churches and individuals. Years ago, we were prohibited from raising support from individuals. And obviously, you want to, I mean, if you got a church that's really supporting you, you ought not to go into the church and and find church members that you could approach about support. But we could all make a list of 150 or 200 people that we know family, friends, high school friends, college friends.
1: Sorry to interrupt. Um, I'm curious, can you back up a little bit? You said you were prohibited from receiving support from individuals? Well, we were
2: prohibited from soliciting support from individuals. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, back in the day, and so now, and I've talked to a couple of different mission directors from different boards who say that there seems to be a trend where you see sixty percent church support, forty percent individuals. Somewhere in in that ballpark, what happens with individuals? It takes a lot more effort to maintain the support, and uh, as far as people forget um, or they they just don't go and make the donation. And so with a church, once the decision is made, especially if it's a large enough church that has someone working on on that, like a secretary, the support's always there. So I think having a, a mixture of individuals and churches is probably a good thing.
1: Here's a um, kind of a question, uh, just more of a preferential question, I think. I could argue that it would be more biblical one way or the other, I guess. But Let's say you had a choice between five churches, each supporting you at 20%, or you had 50 churches, each supporting you at 2%. Which would you rather have?
2: A hybrid of that. Hybrid? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a non-answer, I guess. Yeah, I would say because uh, things happen, and we were in in a, a situation where, where we lost a, a lot of support um, quickly, But we had four or five churches that were supporting us for 70% of our support. And, uh, there was the churches kept their promise, so there was nothing negative out of that. Um, but we've struggled since then to make that up. But I would say I would 60% of my churches, $100 to $150, $200 a month, and then 40% maybe larger monthly, uh, offerings. Also, uh, when a church does give more money, they have their, they tend to want to visit and see the field. And so I always encourage individuals or churches, pray for us, visit us, and, and support us. Um, and if you, if you pray for us, you'll have a burden for us. If you go down and see what we're doing you may decide, well, this isn't really where I want to send my money, or you may be burdened and say, hey, I want to bring some more people on board with this. So I think those are three important things.
1: I think getting people to visit your field is absolutely, that's paramount to getting their burden on the field, because I've seen it in my own life. Uh, we, When we came to Jacksonville, we heard about this missionary that the church was supporting in Haiti, and at first we were like he supported significantly higher than all the other missionaries that we were supporting at the same time. And so we were thinking, well, what's what's going on down there? Is there something, is it a much bigger ministry? You know, what's going on? So we decided to just take a trip. Pastor and me and our producer, Jason, was there, along with a few other our church members. And we get there, and I've, I had never been to a third-world country uh, like this before, and it was just incredible. From the time we got off the plane to the time that we got back on and left— uh, it was just an incredible time we had seen souls saved baptized even though we couldn't understand the language the the joy of the lord was apparent and the great need of the country was it had cemented itself into my heart for specifically Haiti and i think that, that you have a great point there if you can get some of your supporting pastors to come and visit you on the field and then they bring the burden back to their people now you've got a champion in the in that pulpit there and it's it's it's, it propels the cause forward for Christ, and it's just an amazing, amazing thing. So yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Are there any resources that you can think of, any books that you've read that would be helpful to either pastor or a missionary?
2: We read the book The God Ask on raising support, and I would give it a, a six out of ten maybe. It, it was helpful. It gave some good, good ideas. Um, I don't like techniques, and I don't like— Especially, I mean, if you're selling cars or vacuum cleaners, okay, but if you're a missionary raising support to me, I don't like techniques, so that was my negative on the book as he did present some techniques uh but that was a good book as far as support raising um uh as far as missions, you know uh a lot of uh lord of the uh, the lords of the earth peace child but uh, those are books mission biographies that, that the lord used in my life to encourage me
1: when paul writes he often makes mention uh, that he was a tent maker as well so he had a trade i guess and uh, you know he'd met he'd meet up with other tent makers that we see in his epistles when you're on the road and and you're a missionary and you're just getting out there zero income you know fresh bible college graduate no marketable skills as it were what do you suggest as more passive income generating things, or is there a trade that you, you would recommend that uh, somebody would learn? Maybe they could do something on the road or when they're at home. What are your thoughts on that?
2: No, that's a great question. Um, uh, I've encouraged my kids uh, as they pray about the Lord's will and raising support that, that, that you know, get your degree in, in, in programming or engineering if that's how the Lord leads, I have a daughter who's studying nursing right now, and she really wants to be in missions, and I see her in the future using nursing in missions. So I think uh, uh tent maker is a great idea, especially in the world we live in today. And hey, there's places you go that one of the only ways to get to know people, get to know the culture, would be working in the environment where they're working. Um, as far as passive income, yeah, I know guys, I've, I know a, a man who's retired now. He was a missionary in England. Uh, they bought a house when they were young. They lived in it for a time. They rented it out. And in fact, the same family rented the house for over 20 years, wow. paid it off for them. And uh, when they retired, I think they were able to sell it. And uh, and they made a good profit off of it. But yeah, there is more than one way to skin this cat oh, yeah. of raising support, I think.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. That's cool. If you had to do it all over again, would you do it the same way that you did it in 95? Or would you go a different route?
2: Well, that's a good question. Loaded question. Yeah, I know, you know, some denominational boards, um, you get your MDiv and and uh, you apply. Uh, I do like the freedom that we have to serve where we believe
1: God has us. And um, so I probably wouldn't do it any different. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure having you, uh, Brother Keith. It's been awesome. I know this is going to be a great episode. And if you want to be on the program, or if you have any questions, feel free to email us. Message us on briansams.com. Pastor Brian will be back with us in the studio next episode. Have a great day.